The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Today's scripture is from Mark 2-3. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, the disciples began to pluck heads of, gra- heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you ever never read what David did when he was in need and he was hungry? He and those who were with him. How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hands were restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ. Well, thank you, Collins family. That's so sweet. I've loved how we've had people participating from home, even involved in the worship services um, while we've been in this uh, time of online. And uh, that's been sweet to have all of us even a part of that, that the Lord's worship here at home all over uh, on these mornings, uh, on the Lord's Day mornings, uh, continues. Uh, again, my name, if you missed it earlier, I'm Stacy Croft. I'm a pastor here at uh, Music Row, and I'd love to get to know you too as well. Um, if you uh, want to Zoom or have coffee or something like that, properly distanced, of course, uh, happy to do that. Some of you have already emailed about it, but would love to get to know you as well and uh, help you navigate, uh, hear your story and help you also navigate what it means to get involved in our church and the life of it. So, you know, the, uh, our church is a part of a larger denomination called the PCA, Presbyterian Church of America, and um, one of its founding uh, fathers years ago, um, he's, he's older now, but uh, Robert Rayburn, he's a minister and um, has been a part of our denomination from the beginning. And uh, he was, years ago, a U.S. paratrooper in uh, Europe during World War II, served as a chaplain and served in the Army Reserves. And he was called back uh, during the Korean War because he was one of the few people had, who had experienced jumping out of planes <laughs> as a paratrooper and uh, could come and serve uh, as a chaplain. So he kind of served on planes uh, with uh, paratroopers as a chaplain, if you can imagine all these kind of experiences he had. So it's his first night to do a night jump with this crew, uh, and they... Um, you know, he doesn't even have a gun. He's, he's just there to serve and, and care for these guys on the plane. And, um, you know, he's, he's pretty terrified by the whole experience because first, he's the only one that knows how to, he's the only one that has experience jumping out of a plane, but he doesn't know any of these guys. He's sitting on a plane trying to encourage them in the middle of a war. 
And uh, he, he gets in, he decides, I'm, I'm just gonna pr- start praying. And I'm just gonna pray for the Lord to encourage me. And he starts praying and all of a sudden he realizes he's being shaken awake. Well, while he was praying, <laughs> uh, he had fallen asleep. And he said that, um, that it, 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 it it, all the, the paratroopers on the plane were just mystified by it. <laughs> that as they just started unloading out of the plane, uh, that he said that, that the thing that stuck with them, the thing that actually catapulted his ministry to be able to talk to these, these men in the plane jumping over the next number of years was the fact that he fell asleep. The fact that he was so at peace, so restful, that he was able to share, it said, the gospel with all of them. And every single person on that plane remembered that evening and was profoundly impacted. What would it be like if we understood rest so deeply that that's what really transformed the culture around us? What if as Christians, what if as a church community, what if we so understood what rest really meant that it was the way that we could proclaim the good news of Jesus just by simply being at rest. Just the way that we are at rest. You know, wouldn't that be incredible? If there's anything, what is rest? You know, I mean, even when I say that, is it falling asleep? Is it coming to church on a Sunday? Is it having a space in your calendar? Hey, all of us have been forced with what rest really means in a pandemic. Even looking at this passage and looking at what Sabbath is, Mark is trying to get at the answer to something far more deeply in us than just finding a spot in our calendar or going back to the things we used to go to. He's really wanting us to understand that who this person is, Jesus, that's the whole entire gospel of Marcus, who is this person, who is Jesus really, is wanting to say that you and I have a longing to rest that goes well beyond just sleep. It's a rest that hits the core of our being, so much so that it was debated in a number of chapters, not just in Mark, the first gospel that was written, Mark, but in Matthew and Luke and John. The Sabbath was debated and what you were able to do on it. And look, what I think is crazy, even as a, uh, a pastor who went through seminary, the one of the 10 commandments that has been most debated is the one on the Sabbath. Why? Because I think we have a real problem with rest. More than just understanding one single thing, what really Sabbath means. We're gonna look at this passage and answer it in a a few ways. One is, we're gonna look at what's the problem with rest. What is our problem with it, really? And second, we're gonna look at what is the practice of rest. What is Jesus trying to get them to see how we practice rest? It. Because wouldn't it be amazing for us to answer the question of how can I find real, real rest? Isn't that what we're all longing for? How can I find actual rest when all I've been doing is being at home all the time and my soul still feels restless? In the midst of chaos, how can we find rest for our souls? Well, the problem of rest 
You know, there are a lot of views on this, and especially being forced to see what rest means in uh, a pandemic culture uh, in our time. Uh, even before this, the idea of busyness and how do, how do we really find uh, identity in our busyness? I remember being a, a youth director years ago in Houston, Texas. One of my students who was a, a senior at the time, <clears throat> it was exam week, he was uh, a brilliant student. Uh, so he thought, hey, I'm, you know, I'm during exams. I'm kind of tired. I'm going to go to 24-hour fitness. There's this workout facility, 24-hour fitness, pretty close to his house. He thought, I'm going to take a little break. I'm going to go over there and, uh, and, and kind of work out and then come back and, and study some more. So he goes over there. So he gets on the treadmill. He starts running. He's actually a great athlete, running a lot, finds himself at a good pace, and then he all of a sudden decides, you know what, I'm still kind of tired. I, what if, what if I was able to shut off kind of like my brain and just keep my body going? So he has the idea, I'm going I'm to essentially take a nap while I, <laughs> while I run a couple miles on the treadmill. So I can get some exercise while the rest of me can nap, right? And then I can go back and I will be perfectly ready to study more, Right. Well, he wakes up, next thing he finds out is his legs are all twisted. The treadmill has burned the back of his legs because he's been shot off. And people are standing around him looking and saying, what are you thinking? Because <laughs> he fell asleep trying to run. All so that he could go back and work. <laughs> I think what a perfect picture of what we really are like. We'd love to just continue working, whether it be working out or doing our jobs, and then fit in, squeeze in a little nap somewhere here or there so that we can just go back. But that's our problem internally. As even St. Augustine said, our, we are restless and our hearts are truly restless until we find our rest in thee. It, it means the pandemic, I think, is what was fascinating to me, and I know it has been for you. What, what being forced to be at home has done, has taken all the busyness outside, all the things where we're like, man, I wish I could go to this, or I wish I could do that, or that, or that, or this, or that. Bringing our work home, bringing school home, bringing everything recentered at home has not left or removed the busyness. It's actually forced us with a greater mirror to see where our hearts are restless. It's really forced us to say, what is the real loss what am I really, how am I more exhausted now than I was even when things were out and about, when I was going here and there? I'm not going, I'm stationary, and yet I'm more exhausted than ever, emotionally, relationally, in every way. How does rest really get there? How does it get into the thing? Look, the debate here that I think is fascinating happens over and over with Jesus about the Sabbath is that first, the disciples in Mark 2, 23 to 28, are going through the grain fields and they're plucking heads of grain because they're hungry, right? Simple, they're hungry. And, but what this was considered, especially on the Sabbath, by the Pharisees and other people of law in terms of religiously, was like reaping. It was essentially like reaping grain on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders at the time had 39 forbidden activities in their law books against what you're supposed to do on the Sabbath. 39. This was number three. They were breaking the top three 
rules that you should not do on the Sabbath. And what it, Jesus does is he says, wait, look, look, look. They say, why are you not doing what's lawful on the Sabbath? Right? Jesus' reaction, I love, it gets later, <clears throat> even again in uh, chapter three, verse four, it says, is it lawful? See, notice again, the question is, is it lawful to do these things on the Sabbath? And Jesus, actually his reaction is, he looked around at them with anger, verse five, grieved at their hardness of heart. Anytime Jesus gets mad, anytime he grieves, and the author of the gospel writes his emotions in there, we really need to take note. Because Jesus is grieved and angered at their hardness of heart of what they've taken rest to be. See, they've removed it. They've taken rest to create a mediator, a a, a lawful gain in order to make themselves limitless. In order to make themselves bigger, to prove their worth before God and others, they have taken what should create rest in their lives and they've busied it. They've made more of it. Because the law is more important. See, what Jesus is getting at here in both of these accounts is what the Sabbath should do is provoke not law. It shouldn't provoke in us, oh, and especially, I bet many of you may be thinking even, oh, here's a passage on the Sabbath. A pastor's preaching on it. Maybe he's gonna wag his finger or maybe even get your guilt in your own heart of thinking, well, we need to be at church or we need to do this or I need to do more spiritual things. I need to be a part of a connect group. I need to do this. If that's where you're going, what's happening is you have more of a relationship with the law than you do with the real rest you need in your heart. Because what rest really points us to is where we find the deepest connection of relationship that causes us to actually see ourselves for who we are and are loved and known and cherished. See, rest causes us to slow down. It causes us to see like what he says, the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath, because because we are to be provoked into mercy, not law. The, the Sabbath isn't to wag its finger at you and say, you need to do more spiritual things. The Sabbath is actually to remind you of the mercy you need. It's to provoke the grace and mercy that is to be poured and lavished and is yours in Christ Jesus so that it comes out of you in every other way. It's not about legalism that Jesus is getting at. Jesus is saying the religious views of the Sabbath or even ignoring the Sabbath. And I think it's fascinating that even at the end of this, the Pharisees were so, so frustrated with Jesus, they went out immediately, verse six, and held counsel with the Herodians against him and how to destroy him. That the religious and the completely irreligious want to destroy Jesus for the way that he approaches the Sabbath the way that he cares so much about it and it being restful. See, I think we see rest as something we get as a reward. It's the end of the week. It's something that we look forward to or something when we can get out of underneath this or if we get past a certain thing. But rest is more than that. There's a great book called uh, Rest of God by Mark Buchanan. He says, the lie that the taskmasters want you to swallow is that you cannot rest until all your work is done and it has to be done better than you're doing it now. 
the rest of God, meaning the rest that comes from God, isn't a reward for finishing. It's a gift. It's a gift for us. It means being people in the community of Christ is not to lord the Sabbath over us, but the rest is to remind us of who we really are. It actually provokes our identity. See, that's what's happening in, these, in this passage. The debate on the Sabbath is actually provoking and promoting and drawing out. It's mining out of the Pharisees and everybody else around. What do you, where do you really find your identity? And where that is is where you rest most. Where you find the deepest relationship, where you are known and loved and cherished, is where you find yourself at rest. <clears throat> and Jesus is saying, the Sabbath is to force us to see where our true identity should be. See, their true identity is more about keeping the law. It's in the boundaries rather than in the relationship. It's in, if I keep this, if I do this, if I do this better, it could be a vocation. It could be a Bible study. It could be anything that you re lean into that if you just continue to have this, you can find rest. But Jesus is saying, where does that come from the most? Where does that deeply hit us the most? See, why do people feel the need sometimes? Why, why, why even in our relationships that we feel the need to be on? <laughs> or we feel the need to, to, to be constantly in a state of, of, of work or filling our calendars? Why is it that, that many of us maybe have been so overwhelmed with the fact that we, in, especially in a time we've been forced at home to work, that maybe we're not working at all some days or we find ourselves working too much? We've been forced to see what work really is. We've been forced to see what our week really is. We've been forced to see what it really means that we are and what we are in relationship to that gives us the most rest that doesn't just keep us from doing work, but that forces our hearts to actually stop and say, I am known. I am loved. I'm connected. I'm cared for. To see the real us. And that's what the religious leaders are scared of. They're scared of God seeing the real them. <clears throat> so Jesus says, what does it mean to rest? <laughs> let's, let's redefine this. Because he, he takes, there, here's the problem, but let's talk about the practice of it. Because what, what, is the, what is the inability of rest in the heart of our, our culture? What does it really mean? What would it look like to change it? He begins by using this first illustration on the Sabbath. And after the disciples pluck grain, heads of grain for food, and the Pharisees in verse 24 of chapter two say, look, they're doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath. He says, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in a time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave, them, gave it to those who were with him. What Jesus is doing is genius because he's bringing up the fact that what the first thing they need to do, what are they doing? Why picking heads of grain? Why do it? Because they're replenishing. They're simply eating. Even in the story of David, which comes from First uh, Samuel 21, only the, the Levite priests were able to eat the bread of presence. The point was to say, in those times of need, 
Those times of real need, where do they go? They're forced to stop. To replenish means we have to stop and realize what we really need. And that's what the Sabbath is for, to recognize that. I remember reading a, uh, an article in Real Simple uh, magazine some years ago called Unplug and Recharge. <clears throat> this is actually barely a few years before the, uh, the culture we're in now, <clears throat> but I find it very interesting. I was talking about unplugging from our technology and recharging and what it really means for us to do that. But it was really hitting on the fact of the, the debate of does uh, do our phones, is it an addiction or is it an avoidance? The technology, does it create, what does it really create in us? This magazine in particular was saying, this really uh, is not an addiction. It's an anxiety-based disorder. That we're not checking in on our phones or whatever it may be to get pleasure. We're checking in to remove anxiety. Now, again, this is up for debate with many, many people. But I like where they went with this. See, think about it. Standing in a grocery store, uh, being in line, being on an elevator, uh, even being in certain places, maybe even a, a stop at a stoplight. Having your phone and checking it sometimes isn't just a pleasure-based thing. It's also an avoidance thing. To, to, to not have to talk, to not have to engage with what's really there. That's what, that's what it says. That standing in line at the grocery store may be a boredom. Waiting in line for, to pick up something at a restaurant. Impatience. Uh, missing family. Loneliness. <laughs> These are all things we've been dealing with in this culture. All those major things that have been exacerbated. And even being able to have access to technology, Zoom and other things, FaceTime. Those things have continued to catapult even more. But this is saying, what would it like you when that urge strikes you? This is the, the point of the article. To not actually engage in checking your phone when you experience that feeling. And I love what they're saying. I love the fact that what if the Sabbath is this? What if what Jesus is getting at is less about, hey, you need to stop. Replenishment means you need to stop working and, 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 and have a Sabbath. What if he's saying rest and Sabbath is not necessarily about just stopping work. It's about stopping to know what you really need. To not avoid the reality of the anxiety, the depression, the despair, the loneliness, the isolation, the, the difficulty that really looms and is there. This is what... The, the disciples and David were doing, this is what he's hitting at is the fact that they stop to know what we really need and the Sabbath is for that replenishment, to, be, to stop in order to be refilled. To replenish means to have plenty, replenty, right? Again, to stop where's the deepest parts of us that the storehouses are all so low because we're really not looking at what we need. Sabbath is to cause us to see what we really need, what we're really longing for. See, in our busyness, even at home, our busyness can be the best form of laziness because we can busy ourselves to not actually address or see what we really need, what we're really longing for, to have rest. We're proud to be multitaskers. We're proud to be able to juggle a million things. All the while we're missing, where are the parts of us that are actually not connected not in relationship, not known. 
But we're able to juggle so much and do a lot of things, and sometimes even at necessity doing a lot of things, that we bow to the tyranny of the urgent, even in the small spaces and confines of our apartments or of our yards, because we can't really go anywhere. And yet the tyranny of the urgent is still there. The practice of rest causes us to stop and say, we need to address what we really, what's really at, at heart. Maggie Jackson, who has written a lot of books um, and spoken a lot on um, <clears throat> kind of distraction and attention span, really connected to our multitasking. One of the things she discovered as she looked back in history uh, long ago in the Industrial Revolution is that this was a similar issue. It's not just our phones. It's not just computers. It's that we have used any means possible over the centuries to cause ourselves to be distracted, to be split in the way that we focus. And what it's done is it's removed our attention span. So this is why we can flip through things on a phone or otherwise and why our attention is this quick because we're, we're, we've lost the ability to focus more thinking about less about what we need and moving on to try and multitask and do more. It's taken our attention off that. See what Jesus is saying, we need to, the, the Sabbath is called, is to cause us that God gave it for man to cause us to stop and replenish to know what's really there and is needed. For us to actually have attention, to focus again, so that we know the relationship, the attention that's calling us to hear, as we even said in our confession, the song that is sung over us in Christ, that we practice that, that we practice seeing what we need, that we fight against that, for our attention to be grabbed again by the gospel, the good news that's proclaimed over us. The other thing that's said here is not just to replenish, but to restore. The next debate in chapter three is um, that he entered the synagogue and there was a man with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus. Notice the man with the withered hand was at church, so to speak. He was at the synagogue, surrounded by religious people. And yet it's the Sabbath. So they're kind of keeping their distance. <clears throat> and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they could accuse him. And they said to the man, and he said to the man, that is Jesus, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. See, the Sabbath isn't just for replenishment, it's for restoration. It's for us to restore See, reversing our understanding is that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. This means it's reversing our understanding of what we should look at the Sabbath. He's talking about human needs, he's talking about mercy. He's not talking about what we avoid or what we just want to do or don't want to do. He's talking about what is needed in us and outside of us. It isn't just, rest isn't just stopping sleep you know, stopping to sleep or, uh, or those kind of things. And maybe we need to do that. But to restore means that we're going. See, replenishment means we need to stop and take inventory. But restoring means we need to go. In fact, Sabbath in restoring means we're supposed to be doing. What are we supposed to be doing? It means that we're, if we're really understanding what worship is and what the Sabbath is to do, it's to proclaim the mercy that God has had over us so that we can proclaim it to the world. 
And I find that why is it that this man goes into a synagogue and finds no mercy until Jesus arrives? And why is it that so many of us can be involved in a church and involved in ministry and it is devoid of mercy because we've lost the understanding of the Sabbath is to proclaim the mercy over us so that we can go and do mercy over others. It doesn't stop there. It's to restore our work. The Lord's day is this. The Lord's day is actually uh, the new Sabbath. So the Sabbath then in this passage was Saturday. But it changed in the book of Acts to Sunday, the Lord, which we call now the Lord's Day, because that was the day that the Lord Jesus resurrected. And so the church began meeting rather than on Saturday, on Sunday, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Let's ask this question. If the resurrection is real, if it really is transformative, how does it inform the way that we don't just end our week with the resurrection, we begin it? See, that's what they were doing. Saturday was typically the end of the week. Sunday was before. We call it the weekend now, but it actually Sunday was the first day of the week. And because the resurrection informed, their worship informed not just for them to stay out, but to go into work, to go into life, to go into marriage, to go into friendship, to go into relationships, to go into school to go into, it restores our work because we are no rest that hits us here first. See, if we understand the rest that is ours in Christ, then it transforms and it restores everything else we're doing. It means we can set boundaries. Why are we always so frustrated when we're driving on a Sunday and you're driving in and between cities? Maybe you're going on vacation and Chick-fil-A is closed and you know they have that, closed on Sunday. And sometimes I'll bet you're like me. You're like, oh man, I forgot. (laughs) But you know what's been so genius about what they've done? They've drawn boundaries. Now, whether you're a Chick-fil-A fan or not, what they've decided to do is draw a boundary that on this day, we are going to say, we're going to promote that this is what we do. We rest from this kind of work. Now, it doesn't mean all those workers are at home just sitting there quietly praying and doing something else. It does mean that they're probably going. They should go and do. But what would it look like for us to actually set boundaries? I mean, is it okay to do certain things? What if my, uh, I was just talking to um, Parker about this today. What does it look like for us to restore our work, our time, our, uh, those things that, that we Is it okay for us to do certain activities, mowing the lawn on a Sunday? You know, I think we need to have more of these discussions. Yes, acts of necessity. Is it wrong to do those? See, what Jesus is doing is he's not, he's trying to take it instead of us creating harsh boundaries where we cannot enjoy or do works of necessity or acts of mercy or worship on the Sunday. He's trying to open it up from the Pharisees. are saying, you can only do these things. Well, that's not what the Sabbath is for. It's made for, it's to cause us, can we worship and still mow the lawn? Can we worship and still enjoy things? Yes. The point isn't that. The point isn't what you should and shouldn't be doing. The point is, 
Where is your true rest? What sends you out? What restores you? To restore your time, finishing a day, finishing a week. I know when my boundaries have been crossed, I find myself incredibly irritated. Do you know when you're irritated? Because your boundaries have been crossed. What would it be like for us to actually set boundaries, for us to think about the rest we really need? To move back into relationship with, with Jesus. To move into relationships with others. See, this is not just about restoring our work and our time and tithing our time to go out and care for others and not being so focused on ourselves. But restoring our relationships. How about many of us who are longing, who have seen the time, not just maybe some of us are, have kids or at home or some of us who, who may be uh, alone at home and have not been able to have any contact that we've longed to have like normal. How does God restore that time? We have to lean into those, we have to pursue by restoring relationships. We have to move into those things. I don't know if any of you have ever had a sleep study before, but that's what a sleep study does. A sleep study hooks you up to all these things and they watch you throughout a whole sleep cycle. I mean, you wires all over you, things, and what do they do? They take inventory of small ways you're breathing. When you turn over, when you're moving, when you wake up, your REM, your deep sleep, what does it go up and down? That's what we need in relationship right now. We need people in our lives that can see where we need rest and, and, and can drive us to it. But you know what this passage really is saying that is really the, really the, the, the major piece. It's not just the problem we have with rest, the practice it's actually, there's a person of rest. So we could leave this and say, yeah, there's a great practice that we need to instill and, and set, maybe set boundaries, but not create boundaries where there aren't supposed to be and have more discussions about what it looks like for us to really keep that so, or we can connect that. But there's a, a person of rest. Why does Jesus say in his invitation, talk about come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. He doesn't come to an understanding those who are weary and heavy laden. He doesn't say, come to a new schedule. He doesn't say, come to do this or that. Come to tick off all the boxes in your to-do. He says, come to me. Because Christianity is different than anything else. Christianity says that rest doesn't end with a practice. It ends with a person. This is why Verse 28 says, so the son of man is Lord of even the Sabbath. What a strange thing to say. Why would Jesus say that? Because even Jesus himself puts himself in the position to feel the exhaustion, the absolute futility that so many of us have felt, the 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 misunderstanding from those around him in his work, the, the, the ability to not even lay his head down. And when he did, it was on a rock and not even in a bed. And then to wake up early and to go back to work again. He felt the same things. And yet, is the Lord of the says, come to me. Because his invitation, he is about the business of those like us who are weary and heavy laden. And there's, at his most crucial moment in his most crucial ministry at the time when all seemed 
like it was lost. What does he say? He doesn't say pick up your burdens. He says it is finished on the cross. So that we know true rest is a reality because true rest comes through the person and work of Jesus, the one who actually could practice rest and is the Lord of the Sabbath, the one in whom it's all met in him. Praise be to God that this problem of rest and the practice of it all find themselves in the person and work of Christ himself so that we can know we are not doing this in futility, but in reality. Praise be to God. Let me pray for you.